0: Good morning and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. This year, the uh, sacred festival of Passover and the sacred holiday of Easter fall within a few days of each other. It's an unusual occurrence. Sometimes they're uh, near each other, but rarely do they occur uh, so close to each other. This week, Passover begins on a Friday night, and Easter is the next Sunday. To speak with me this morning about that unusual occurrence of calendarization and other similarities and differences between Passover and Easter, I want to welcome Canon Catherine Aska, who is the priest and pastor of St. John the Evangelist Anglican Church in Smith Falls, Ontario, in the Anglican Diocese of Ottawa. Canon Aska worked uh, as in the private sector in customer service, internal business relations and corporate compliance and dispute resolution, and then studied theology at Huron University in London, Ontario, obtaining a Master of Divinity in 2005, was ordained priest later that year. She served in an interfaith hospital chaplaincy and in parish ministry in southwestern Ontario for three years before being called to the position of vicar at Christ Church Cathedral in Ottawa in 2008. She held that position until her current appointment at St. John's in the autumn of 2017. Canon Aska also serves as a supporting chaplain with the RCMP in their national and headquarters division. And it's a pleasure to invite you to uh, speak with the listeners on Jewish faith and Jewish facts.
1: It is quite an honor, Rabbi Garten. Thank you very, very much for inviting me.
0: So as you probably heard in um, our my introduction. The uh, confluence of dates this year doesn't happen every year, but there is a similarity in the dating. So I'm wondering if you could share with your with the listeners how you understand um, Easter is dated, and then I'll share how I understand that um, Passover is dated.
1: Certainly. Um... Much like the dating Mm -hmm. of Passover, actually, the dating of Easter is linked to the lunar cycles, and Easter Day is the first Sunday after the first full moon occurring after the spring equinox, March 21st, uh, in the Gregorian calendar. And it can be as early as March 22nd, or as late as April the 25th, depending on where that moon cycle happens. Um, In the very early church, some Christians observed Easter at the Jewish Passover, as as some of the Gospel accounts indicated, that Jesus' crucifixion, death, and resurrection occurred during the Passover festival. It was the Council of Nicaea in 325 that set the dating of Easter as the Sunday after the first full moon after the spring equinox, but... Um, The Church um, obviously did not end the dispute there, as they rarely do, with just a council. (laughs) So, as Christianity moved into Northern Britain in the early centuries, different forms of observances were followed. That of the Celtic tradition, which came from the Irish monks of Iona, and that of the Roman tradition, which came under the influence of Roman missionaries sent by Gregory the Great. And one one of the main differences between the two expressions of Christianity was the dating of Easter and uh, depending on which royal house was in power in the north of England or how they'd been converted to Christianity, either by the Celtic monks or by the Roman missionaries, this could cause great consternation. So in six sixty three 664 with the division growing within his own family, Oswu, the king of Northumbria, convened a synod at what is now Whitby in North Yorkshire to settle the dating of Easter in that kingdom once and for all. Uh, And the arguments were presented from both sides, and Oswu, having listened to both of them, um, even though he favored the Celtic traditions, uh, finally decided um, to come down on the side of the Roman position. There was a royal decree, the decision was made, and therefore in the Western Church, the dating of Easter falls, uh, follows the, the edict set out by the Council of Nicaea. That said, in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, um, they use the Julian calendar rather than the Gregorian calendar, and so sometimes the Orthodox and the Western Christian Easters don't always quite line up.
0: I'm um, knowledgeable about that because the synagogue which I served in Ottawa um, sits uh, directly next to a Greek Orthodox church. Mm-hmm. And um, they will not be celebrating Easter on the same date that the rest of Western Christianity will be. And often their Easter um, causes great consternation in their celebration with us as we share a parking lot. Oh, yes. And and their celebration calls for the music to be um, offered in the parking lot as they carry a coffin. Oh, yes. Yes, and a great pageant. Yeah. Um, well, I thank you for that clarification. And for the listeners who may not remember, um, Passover is determined um, in a similar way. Um, the Torah tells us in the book of Exodus that Passover shall come in the first month of months, which is declared to be Nisan. Um, which is called the first month of the calendar. And the Torah also tells us that it shall take place on the 15th day. Now, in the Hebrew calendar, which is a lunar-solar calendar, the 15th day is always the middle of the month, and that's a full moon. Because a new moon marks the beginning of the month. Um, This year, we have a strange occurrence, which is what brings Easter and Passover so close to each other. This year in the Hebrew calendar is a leap year. And a leap year is... Involves adding an extra month to the year, not as in the Gregorian calendar, um, an extra day in February every four years, but seven out of 19 years, the Hebrew calendar adds an extra month. So without that extra month, Passover would have taken place um, not in April, but in March. But with the extra month, it now takes place in April, close to the spring um, equinox. Um, and so that brings us together this year. Um, in the future years, when it's not a... Um, a, um, a um, A leap year, we can have, as you've already suggested, Canon, as much as three week difference from when um, the holiday of Easter is declared and when Passover is declared. Um, somehow it's much easier to just look on the calendar (laughs) than look in the sky and determine where the moon is. Um, But thank you for that. Um, Interestingly enough, I'm not sure lots of people really recognize that uh, unlike Christmas, which always falls on the same day in the calendar, December 25th, um, Easter can vary, as you've already suggested, by up to three weeks. Yes. Um, in its um, date that's marked. So we've talked about how similar Easter and Passover are because of their um, affinity to the new moon cycle, but Easter and Passover share a great deal more than that in common. And you alluded to the fact that in the Gospels, the passion story, the story of Jesus coming to Jerusalem, which leads to the trial and eventually to the crucifixion, um, is uh, revolves around the Passover holiday. So, um, is that true in all the Gospels?
1: Um, they
0: they do have um, they do have.
1: Each one of them, three of the Gospels indicate um, that at the beginning, you know, sort of the beginning of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, or the the night before he was arrested, happened on the first day of Unleavened Bread. Okay. Uh, John's Gospel indicates um, that it was on the sixth day of the Passover.
0: Okay, and for those who may not remember, in the Torah, Passover is declared to be a seven-day festival. Right. right. So this would have been the next to the last day of the festival. That's. I, I'm saying that, and I should
1: correct myself, actually. In John's Gospel, it's six days before the Passover. Before so, the before Passover. Before the Passover. Okay. So, whereas the other three... Specifically, indicate that it was on the, fir- the on the first day of unleavened bread.
0: And does that um, suggest that in the first three Gospels, the um, Last Supper would have been associated with the Passover meal, but in John's, it wouldn't have been? Not yet,
1: precisely. It's it, it it's not extremely clear. And it um, the three the first three Gospels do indicate where do you go and indicate that. The disciples are asking, "Where do you want to go and make preparations for the Passover? Where we're going to eat the Passover?" Uh, John is a little less, um, a little less clear about that.
0: So, in your tradition, as you teach and preach about the Gospels <laughs> and Easter, um, is it um, part of your tradition that when the Gospels speak of Passover? they're speaking of a historical event or have they crafted the story because of symbolic uh, importance onto the Passover?
1: Um, that would be a good question. I think it's fairly safe to say that the events surrounded, uh, surrounding Jesus' um, last days were connected with the Passover. I'm not enough of a biblical scholar to kind of go in and really, really um, dissect that to find out whether it actually happened or didn't actually happen. But the Gospels are pretty consistent in terms of these events in the life of Jesus and his followers occurred around the Passover festival, which would make sense. It would be a reason why Jesus would be in Jerusalem because he would have observed the Passover um, celebrations in his lifetime on a regular basis. And the symbolism, though, ought not to be lost either.
0: Right. So whether one reads the Gospels as a uh, reliable source of history, Mm -hmm. or whether one reads them for their symbolic power, the symbols of Passover, with regard to redemption and rebirth, um, are certainly... um, in sync with what the story of Easter will become. That's right. Um, And so, again, there's this similarity. Many people um, read the story of Passover as a story of freedom um, from slavery, and uh, sometimes miss uh, Moses being uh, told by God to communicate to Pharaoh that um, this is not about freedom. This is um, the opportunity for the Jewish people to move from servitude to Pharaoh to service to God. That's it. And that they are not getting a free pass Um, In their relationship to the divine being, um, as Pharaoh represents a divine being to the Egyptians and would have to the um, Hebrew slaves represented the deity in charge of their lives. They now will wander the wilderness to affirm uh, a new kind of slavery and servitude. Um, But this one very different in nature. Very, very different. Um, And in your tradition... How important is it for your um, parishioners and those who are um, faithful to the tradition to recognize the interconnection between Passover and Easter?
1: It's, it's
0: integrally
1: tied. You know, the Passover is integrally tied to our Christian tradition of Easter. Uh, we hear the Passover account from Exodus twice in the three days. Of the Easter feasts, Monday Thursday, the night that Jesus instituted the Last Supper, we have a reading from the Passover in Exodus, and then at the Great Vigil of Easter, that is one of the required readings, as it were, in our liturgy. is the story um, is the story of the Passover from Exodus. So, um, you know, the festival of Pesach, where the Passover was established to keep alive the memory of the people's most significant historical event. Um, and the gospel in the gospel accounts, Jesus kept the Passover, so it it's linked inextricably um, to make sense of Jesus's death and subsequent resurrection. Early Christians came to understand Jesus as their Paschal Lamb, sacrificed for them, freeing them from bondage and starting and allowing redemption and new life. Um, so, so the Passover is just integrally, integrally tied to the Christian tradition of
0: Easter and our story. And and you remind the listener about this notion of the Paschal Lamb, which is so central, perhaps the central aspect of the biblical commandment to, regarding Passover, mm-hmm. um, that in Exodus uh, 12, when God commands the Israelites to take a um, yearling and a uh, firstborn lamb and sacrifice it and then consume it in family groups, um, that sacrifice then becomes the source of putting uh, blood on the lintels to um, protect the Israelites from the 10th plague, and it is clearly the sacrifice of salvation. Right. Um, which then gets transposed in Christian tradition into Jesus being sacrificed as the salvation That's right. for the rest of the world. That's right. um, even the language, though different in the Greek and the Hebrew, um, resonates with similarities. Yes. Um, Do you have a sense at what point, um, or if any, that it became important for the church to um, accuse the Jews of being um, responsible for Jesus's death? When the story, in many ways, of course, um, leads us to that ultimate conclusion. Right. As part of God's plan, I would think. Right. It's... Certainly,
1: it's problematic, and it's probably you know it it was a problematic. It was a problematic development that happened not in the early days, um, and it was it came mostly out of John's account of the passion, um, the passion story, uh, because of John's reference or use of the Jews as those who persecuted Jesus, and. It's important to understand that in the early church, everybody knew Jesus was Jewish. Everybody knew that John, the writer of the Gospel, was Jewish, <laughs> part of the Jewish community. Um, and so, it was quite a bit later that, while you know, that there was sort of this um, inflaming of Christian anti-Semitism. It was not ever supposed to. Um, it was not supposed to cause that, but it did inflame it. Um, th- and I think that that's where that sort of started. It was quite a, it was quite a bit later.
0: Right. Quite a so, bit later. So um, since you mentioned the Nicene Council of the 4th century, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not an expert on it, but do you have a sense of whether it was imperative in that early church council to highlight John's um, retelling of the episode, or was it unimportant to that early church um, conversation about uh, Easter and the meaning of it?
1: I will confess that I have not studied that too. Okay. In that, so
0: I'd best not comment. <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those questions <laughs> yeah. that, um, that emerges from a conversation like this, where right. neither of us have the expertise to answer it, right. but I think... Um, As I mentioned to you at an earlier conversation, I had just heard The Passion of St. John by Bach, in which the narrative identifies the Jews in many ways as being the source of um, intentionality. Right for the crucifixion of Jesus and in the narrative uh, certainly paints Pontius Pilate um, as we sometimes see as a person who washes his hands of it. Um, certainly in the play Jesus Christ Superstar, he certainly seems to be more neutral about his responsibilities. Right. Um, but he's not. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and history would certainly indicate that um, he could not have been an innocent in the uh, activities that would have been done in the name of Rome since the Sanhedrin and the Jewish community had no authority right. to uh, carry out any capital crimes, uh, capital punishment at that time. Right. Um So when you prepare for your celebration of Easter, as I prepare for the celebration of um, Passover, what will you be hoping to communicate in the 21st century to your congregation about the importance of this um, significant event in the history of the church?
1: Well, you know... It is, you know, it sort of is our. It is the, the queen of our festival, so to speak, and it it is the, you know, uh, Easter is the day of resurrection, and it's the the day that represents as a Christian community uh, our new life, um, our new life, and our on our new. Um, our new um, relationship, so to speak, um, with the divine. I mean, we celebrate it year after year after year, and we mark it every Sunday. I mean, every Sunday is a day of resurrection, and Easter tends to um, be the day that all of the other Sundays are based on. So the idea of Holding Easter up as our principal, as our principal feast, as it were, um, is that it is the it is the it is the climax or the culmination of our relationship with God in Jesus. Because on Easter Day is the day we recognize or, or celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, allowing us. Um, full communion with God in heaven. In other words, heaven has been opened up uh, for all believers in a way that was not the case prior to that.
0: But. Oh, well, so would you say that this is the defining moment um, in Christianity and that the observance of this is one of the defining characteristics of um the definition of who is a christian
1: it 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 is we you know we are christians because we believe in the life death and resurrection of jesus from the dead and that is celebrated on easter but is also celebrated every sunday every first day of the week as it were uh throughout throughout the year um but it is it is what defines us as christians is is we are baptized into christ's life his death and his resurrection we are one with christ we become the body of christ when we are baptized into the christian church and we gain new life in christ
0: as i uh, indicated in our my introduction you represent the anglican tradition um would you say that the manner and of which you've answered that question would hold true for a large part of Christendom
1: um, certainly in terms of, yeah and certainly in terms of being a Christian um, the understanding of, of being Christian is linked to your your baptism into Christ's death and resurrection different Christian traditions uh, hold that hold that that would happen at different points Um, you know, my tradition, for example, along with some other Christian traditions, uh, recognize infant baptism as, you know, an extension, a a radical extension of God's grace, where others can make promises on behalf of one who can't speak for themselves in terms of an infant. To be baptized, other traditions require someone to be uh, of an age where they can make that decision for themselves. But baptism uh, into Christ's Death and resurrection is what marks a Christian across the board, so to speak. You know, different denominations,
0: traditions. So, in Jewish language. Um, we see ourselves as having a covenant with God, Mm -hmm. and there are a number of ways in which one enters the covenant. Um, For males, the circumcision is a sign of covenantal relationship. Um, The Hebrew name serves as a symbol of uh, covenantal relationship, Um, and the observances of the holy days, including Passover, are kind of a manifestation of the already established covenant. Right. Um, So there's a slight variant there in how we see the holidays, but both of us see um, our springtime festival as an essential statement of um, religious uh, affirmation, I would think. Indeed. Indeed. Well, that's great. Thank you. I wanted to ask you a question that came to mind, and we'll end on a lighter motif than (laughs) theology. Um, I'm wondering if you could share with me how the Easter bunny and chocolate began, because I want to make a comparison to a a custom at uh, Passover.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I I had a classmate in seminary once who used to joke and say, it's all about the bunny at Easter. Um, you, You. I'm not exactly sure where it all began, um, but certainly the tradition of the Easter egg, um, the egg being a symbol of fertility, new life, um, carries across all manner of traditions and um, customs. So... It's not necessarily unusual to see occasionally um, Easter eggs kicking around in a church on Easter Sunday.
0: (laughs) So we move from the egg, which also exists on the Passover Seder table, to then... The Easter eggs, which are in many traditions decorated to those who give birth to eggs, which I don't think are rabbits, but somehow rabbits enter into it and enter then um, move somehow to chocolate. And and it reminded me, as I was thinking of this, is I once converted um, a woman um, who wanted her children to convert to follow her decision to uh, affirm the covenant of Abraham. And she said, I think think they'll convert but you have to promise them that they can still have chocolate on Easter <laughs> and I thought well there must be something about chocolate and Easter that I don't quite understand. Yeah. So I said to her, well, you know, I can't guarantee chocolate on Easter if they become Jewish, but at Passover um, there's a um, a search for the Afikomen, for the lost matzah, that's go. supposed to keep children awake, and at the end of that, the person who finds the matzah gets chocolate.
1: There we go. It so, like you've got a much closer
0: connection <laughs> than we do. Well, I certainly want to thank you for sharing these thoughts with me and with our listeners. Um, I hope that it will be a meaningful Easter for you and your community. And it's always important for us to understand our shared roots. So I want to thank um, Canon Catherine Aska of the Evangelist uh, Anglican Church in Smith Falls, Ontario, for sharing with me this morning for Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. You can hear a podcast of this broadcast on iTunes or on the CHRI website. Shalom and good morning.